The following episode contains material that may be harmful or traumatizing to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It was May 4th, 2001. Bonnie Lee Bakley, wife of Emmy-winning actor Robert Blake, was mysteriously gunned down a block away from Vitello's restaurant in Studio City, California. She was pronounced dead at the scene. 911, emergency yes, yes, a woman uh, was beat up and uh, there's a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Mr. Blake who's got his, his wife in the car right now. Do you need a paramedic? We need an ambulance right now. Hold on for an ambulance. Almost a year later, Blake was charged in her murder. The 69-year-old actor was led in handcuffs to an unmarked police car. With television news helicopters overhead, LA's latest celebrity murder suspect was driven to police headquarters. He was booked on two counts of soliciting murder and murder with special circumstances, which means he could face death. We believe the motive is that uh, Robert Blake uh, had contempt for Bonnie Bakley. The media couldn't get enough of yet another Hollywood murder case. But many were focused on what would become of Bonnie and Robert's 11-month-old daughter, Rose. That beautiful baby girl who grew up somewhat hidden from the public is now a 22-year-old young woman. She's smart, insightful, and she's very much ready to tell her story. I I have no idea what happened. I was a baby. I've heard different stories. I've heard different takes. I do wish that the people in charge of figuring out who did it did a better job. (laughs) I wish they found someone. I wish that... It was solved. From Cast Media, this is Media Circus, an inside look at private tragedy in the public eye. I take high-profile crimes you might think you know and connect you with the real people behind the media coverage to share their stories, in their own words, on their own terms. I'm Kim Goldman. Rose Lenore was raised in the L.A. area by her adoptive parents, Greg and Delina, her biological half-sister on Robert's side. She was a creative child who loved to stay busy and could be found dancing, painting, playing soccer, and enjoying her time as a cheerleader. But Rose also describes herself as quiet, nervous, and kind of an anxious kid. When I was a kid, I thought, like, oh, these are horrible people. Like, I come from crazy people. And then as I got older, I was like, wait a second. Like, that's really messed up for people to be telling me that where I came from is crazy and awful. And I started questioning it. Rose was just 11 months old when her mother was killed and just a year older when her father was charged in Bonnie's murder and sent to prison. It was there, in an orange jumpsuit, that he would tell the media his story in an exclusive interview with Barbara Walters. Why did you want this baby so badly? What does she mean to you? What did she mean to you? You're not serious. Well, this is a baby that you were not sure was yours. this was my baby. You just knew that. This was my daughter. I knew, of course I knew that. Of course I knew that. (laughs) See, you think I'm a monster too? No. That I can't pick up my own baby and know that she's mine? No, Robert. I knew the second I put my hands on her. And I asked God to take care of her right at that minute. That no matter whatever happened for the rest of my life, I'd never ask him for the time of day. She was my baby. She was my daughter. 
After a year in prison, Blake posted bail for $1.5 million and spent the rest of his time awaiting trial on house arrest. In 2005, after a three-month trial, Blake was found not guilty. We, the jury in the above-entitled action, find the defendant, Robert Blake, not guilty of the crime of first-degree murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley. Later that same year, Bonnie's three children from previous relationships would sue Robert Blake in civil court, where he was found liable for her death, and they were awarded $30 million. That amount would be later reduced to $15 million. You and I have something similar. In my brother's case, the person that was tried was acquitted. Mm-hmm. And then there was a civil case where they were found liable. Yeah. Does that cause confusion? Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever met someone who's been in a similar situation. So that's interesting. It's hard because I wish they just found him guilty or innocent. I don't like that there's like kind of this confusion and like, oh, maybe, maybe. It's like, why didn't someone just figure it out? Why didn't anyone try harder? (laughs) I agree with you. Like, why couldn't it have just been the same? I mean, it would solve so many arguments. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Rose has no recollection of the events that would ultimately shape her life. And it was hard as a child to get answers. I think I learned not to trust people at a young age just because every story that I heard was extremely different. My parents' story and then Robert's story and then it makes me cautious of what anybody says to me. But it's also taught me a lot. I think sometimes it's good not to trust people, I guess, because people do lie. (laughs) But as Rose grew up, she began to do her own research turning first to Google. I would imagine that at a young age, looking at Google, that you started to learn that the media isn't always honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as a kid, I kind of trusted Google more because I was like, that was the only source of information that I had other than my adoptive parents. But then once I started, you know, meeting people in person and talking to other family members and things, I realized that, like, Nothing that is accurate is found on on the internet in regards to my family. But it's not just Rose who turned to the internet for answers. There's a presumption that people know more about your family than you do. How does that make you feel? It bothers me so much, that exact thing. Because sometimes I'll even be telling a story about my family, and people will be sitting right in front of me and Google what I'm saying. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to sit in front of me and Google If someone was telling me a story about their family, why would I sit there and Google it? It doesn't make any sense to me, but it's because my family is somewhat famous that people think that they can find their information elsewhere rather than me or actual family members talking to them. I I find it so weird that people think that. I don't know about you, and maybe because you can be more uh, private, I put myself out there. I get emails from people that tell me all sorts of facts about my brother and <laughs> about my family that I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I get told constantly new information about my upbringing, about my relationship. <laughs> so it's very enlightening. I've had that too. People being like, oh, Bonnie was this, 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 and this. And I'm like, did you actually know her? Were you friends with her? No. How do you have this information and no one else has told me this? Do you feel like you have to combat all of those stories? Yeah, I think I didn't used to feel that way. I used to kind of just sit there and let people talk about my family and just deal with it. 
which sometimes I'm able to do that. But I think now maybe I'm a little bit more educated and opinionated and less afraid of standing up for myself and what I think makes sense. So yeah, I do feel like when people are talking about things that they just don't understand and especially if they're disrespectful about it, I'll always correct someone. Another thing Rose and I have in common is seeing the number of people who use our personal story for their financial gain. Do you see the stuff that's put out, like the books and the movies and the podcasts? Like, are you aware of those things? When stuff like that comes out and they don't even ask you for an opinion, or if they do ask for an opinion, there was this podcast that came out. I won't say the name of it, but it came out and it was all about Bonnie. And the guy was emailing me about it and asking me for my input and the way that he was doing it just seemed very gross and disrespectful and didn't seem like he actually cared about any information. So I didn't give him any, and I said I didn't want to be a part of it. And he was rude to me. He was like, well, the podcast is a number one hit podcast, and like you should really want to be a part of it. And I was like, I don't care how well your podcast does. Good for you, but like no one in my family approves of what you said. There are people who have asked, like, oh, hey, is this accurate information? And, like, four different people in my family would be like, no, that's incorrect. And then they'll still put it out. I just don't understand how they can come out with all these new things and books and podcasts and, like, make money off of it. And it's inaccurate. And I think also, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off about this. No, go ahead. I think also another thing that's happened is like when I do something like I do a podcast or I do an interview I will get shamed for that people be like why are you talking about that like just let it rest Rose you're profiting off of whatever and it's like first of all I'm not making a profit from doing any of this second of all everyone else gets to talk about it except for the people that went through it that does not make any sense to me yeah if I made a penny for every time I was told I was profiting um I'd be a Mm -hmm. gazillionaire I get, (laughs) like, that is such a misperception. (laughs) Right. So what do you say to those people that are criticizing you? It's honestly hard not to get, like, heated about it. I'll just be like, really? Like, how can you sit there and say that? Like, if I knew someone who went through something traumatic and they talked about it, I would probably only give them, like, positive feedback and be like, I'm so proud of you, and that was really a brave thing that you did. And even if I had something bad to say, which I wouldn't, I would not say it. And I just think it's so gross. And people don't understand, like, the people who are asking the questions, the people who are filming, the people who are editing. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about, like, when I did my TV interviews and stuff. I got shamed for doing interviews. And I just feel like people don't understand, like, everyone else involved in that interview process was getting paid to talk about my family. So why can't I talk about my family and not even get paid? And people still get mad at me for it. It makes no sense. It was a few years ago, after becoming an adult, that Rose decided she needed to tell her own story. And she took control of the narrative. You did an interview at 19, right? That's when you sort of talked for the first time. Yeah. Why did you decide to do that? I always wanted to. It felt really good, honestly. And a lot of people have been super weird about that choice, which 
doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I just did it because everyone else talked about it for so long. I felt like I wasn't allowed to talk about it. I felt like people judged me for talking about it. It was weird. It felt like a secret. I went to the biggest people I knew, and I talked about it because I felt like it. Two decades later, Lenore speaking out for the first time. What do you recall about your mother? Nothing. You have no memories of her? No, not at all. I don't even, like, remember what she looks like. The 19-year-old opening up in People magazine for the first time to, quote, set the story straight about the Hollywood murder mystery that tore her family apart. Did that change things for you after you did that? It did. It, it made my life better, honestly. I think I lived for a long time thinking, like, oh, this is a secret. Like, I have to keep this to myself. And everyone else is allowed to talk about it except for me. And I just need to sit here and watch it all happen and let people do their thing. And then I was like, no, this is my life. I can actually do what I want to do. And it was probably, like, the most empowering moment for me that I've had. No one wanted me to do that, which is so weird. It wasn't like I went up there and I said anything crazy. It wasn't like I was mean to people. I literally said basic information, you know, stuff that people already knew, to be honest. But it felt good for me. And I feel like no one understood that. And so just like doing that for myself, I went to New York by myself to do those things. I had a publicist at the time. She met me there. But I didn't bring any friends. I didn't bring any family. I just went by myself because it felt right. And I think that trip just made me feel very strong and independent, honestly, because I was doing something for myself regardless of what other people thought. What were people afraid you were going to do? Honestly, I don't know. I, I think people think I'm a different person than I am. I think everyone in my family has trust issues. I think everyone's worried, oh, Rose is going to tell people are like, intimate life or Rose is going to tell people things that we don't want to get out or it's like that's not why I do anything I'm not out here trying to hurt people or expose people or do anything for drama purposes I just did that for myself when I left everybody else out of it but I think everyone was so paranoid thinking that I was gonna expose everybody or I don't even know that there was never the moment where people were like, oh, Rose, we're really proud of you for doing that. That was really cool. I never had that. For so many years, you had your story shaped for you and your voice quelled. Everybody around you was making decisions on your behalf. So I, I love that you're feeling that this was such an empowering, liberating moment. Yeah, no, it really was. And I'm like grateful that everyone there who I spoke to was really understanding and like helpful for me I feel like the media can be a very scary thing and they can do a lot of bad honestly but I think in that instance they did a lot of good if those interviews that I did went badly then I probably wouldn't be here talking to you now <laughs> I think that was kind of me realizing like okay maybe people do actually just care about what I have to say. Maybe I have a voice that people will listen to and not make look bad on purpose for views. It was good. It did make me trust the media a bit more. And it made me trust myself too. It sounds like you have a very discerning part of you. I mean, I said that from the beginning, but of course I worry. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. even know you, but I worry because I can, <laughs> I know that the media, they can put their claws in people, you know, and because your story is still cause for debate. I would hate for people to try to use you and exploit you in a way that is unfair to you. 
Yeah. I mean, that has happened. I trust my instincts a lot and they have saved me from a lot of bad situations. I think I've been approached by people to do things and I'll be curious and I'll ask questions and then, you know, I just get a weird vibe and I won't do it. That's definitely happened. I think I've only said yes to the things that really feel right. And that has been a good thing for me because there are a lot of people who will just kind of say yes to everything. Are you worried at some point that it might expose you in a negative way? Sometimes I do worry about that. I think, especially from the time I was like 17 through 20, I'll say. (laughs) I think that was kind of a time in my life where I was really discovering myself and made a lot of mistakes that are probably pretty normal mistakes to make as a teenager, a young adult. Um, But I think part of me worried like, oh, what if I do something embarrassing and people find out about it? That kind of scares me. Like, I don't know, I try not to live my life like panicking all the time. Oh, what if people find out about this? What if, you know, this comes back to, it's just too much. I try to live my life as normally as possible and hope that I can keep my life as private as I can. Your name doesn't give you away. And I would imagine that was intentional. Yeah, I just go by Rose. Lenore. (laughs) Um, I don't really have any of my last names in there. I feel a little strange asking you this, but like there's a lot of people that we talk to that have unsolved cases that walk through the world with an extra level of fear. Do you have that? A little bit. I think it's hard because it's like somebody was capable of that level of violence and that's very scary. And Yeah, I think it would be a lot easier for me to go about the world if I trusted people, and especially if I trusted my family, but I don't. And I think that that is difficult for me. Do I think that I'm necessarily like going about my day thinking like, oh, I'm in danger? No, but it is something kind of sometimes in the back of my mind of like, I don't know if someone could do that to her, like, could they do that to another person in my family? Maybe. I mean, it's a tricky situation because there's people that believe it was Robert. The case said it wasn't. I mean, the the verdict, excuse me. I don't know where you stand on that, if you're comfortable talking about that. I just wonder if there's if there's extra levels of fear or anxiety that's present that, you know, like, I know who killed my brother. I obviously have my theories, I guess, that I choose to keep to myself for everybody's sake. Um, I don't know. It, it is hard. I, I don't really trust anybody. I think, like especially everyone like my family in in LA can be weird and and secretive and that I I don't like that that always makes me uneasy um yeah I, I I don't know who did it but they are still alive so back in 2012 Robert Blake participated in what would become a famous and volatile interview with Piers Morgan promoting his book, and getting extremely heated when he was asked about the case. Why would I marry her if I was going to kill her? I mean, I was worth $25 million. I could have hired somebody to kill her when she was in Tibet or someplace. She drove all over the country. She was out selling, doing her. I could have hired somebody to follow her for 10 months and make her disappear so nobody would ever find her, for Christ's sake. I would go out to dinner with her to kill her? What the the matter with you? I didn't say you killed her. You didn't say I didn't. Have you had contact with him? I did. And what was that like? 
when I was, like, 18, I think, was when I met him for the first time. After, like, years, obviously, of not meeting him. The last time I saw him before that, I think I was, like, five years old. But I met him, we talked, and then I met him a few other times. And I've called him and stuff, we've talked over the phone. It's weird, it'll be, like, a week where we have a consistent relationship and it feels somewhat normal via phone and then he'll disappear for three or four months and then you know it's kind of up to me to call and check in and I just feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm not going to do that anymore I did for a long time it was like I always felt the need to like connect with family and especially because he's like old and (laughs) I don't know I felt like it was like a good thing for me to do and I did want to get to know him and I thought that we could have kind of a normal relationship that was definitely wishful thinking I would say I don't think it's possible for him and I to have a normal relationship after seeing how things go I just think it's too hard for me to keep reaching out and to keep wondering oh why hasn't he called me why is he mad at me did I say something it's too much I don't want to keep putting myself out there to get hurt by people who are older and should know better. I mean, that's a very uh, grown up and mature approach. I mean, that's also hard because that's technically family, right? And do you know why you were kept from him or you didn't see him as a kid? Delina, my adoptive mother, is his daughter. You know, she grew up with him. They had their own relationship for a very long time. Obviously, when they stopped talking is when I stopped seeing him. So whatever went on between them is their business, but I would say that that's why I stopped seeing him. So now you're kind of forging your own path. Right. Separate from Delina. Yes. Rose has also opened up the door to a potential relationship with family on Bonnie's side. So I have three siblings from Bonnie. I have only spoken to one of them. It's been nice. I was kept separate from everybody my entire life. And there was never really a moment where I went up to my adoptive parents and said, hi, I want to talk to Bonnie's family. Give me their phone numbers. I never did that. I knew that if I did that, I mean, the answer would have been no. It was not something that was, they didn't like them. No one liked Bonnie's family. I only heard negative things about my mom and her family my entire life, from people around me, from Google, from everyone. And then I finally reached out, and I do have a relationship with certain people on Bonnie's family, and it has been really amazing. It's like I've never met them, but I I trust them more than I trust anyone in L.A. Wow. That must have been a hard process to open yourself up and to expose yourself to that. Yeah, it's still hard. You know, there will be times where, like, I'll have a really wonderful week of talking to Bonnie's family and things feel really good, and then I just get overwhelmed and I start questioning things and I kind of, like, pull back and I'll take time to myself to be like, I just need space because it's overwhelming because it's hard. It's hard to trust people that you've only ever heard negative things about, but they continue to to show me that they are good, honest people who have been through a horrible event and it only made them stronger and more, I don't know, I just have so much respect for them and the fact that they have only shown me kindness over and over again and that they're patient with me for 
taking the time that I need in order to like get close to them eventually. Does it allow you to feel a closeness or a connection to Bonnie? And do you want that? Yeah, I definitely want that. I've been able to learn about her. I've been able to see photos of her that I never saw before. I don't know. It's nice. Like everyone in my family from her side obviously looks like her and I kind of look like her. And so it's like kind of nice. I don't know. It feels like special, I guess. And they've just told me a lot about her that I never would have known if I hadn't reached out to them. And it just is really nice. Do you have feelings about Bonnie? Have you heard things or stories about her that you can preserve in a positive way? Yeah. Honestly, everyone who has known her personally, who I've spoken to, has only had really wonderful, positive, special things to say about her. And even the things that she did that, you know, people said were questionable, I understand them. I only listen to people tell me things about her if they knew her. And they've only ever been good things. So I don't listen to the people who didn't know her. It makes sense. I'm glad that you have the opportunity to hear that stuff because the the internet can be horrid and salacious and full of BS. And so I'm glad you have people to counter those stories. Were there inconsistencies with the media, the portrayal of your family versus what they've told you? Versus what my family has told me? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I've heard different stories from everyone. Is there anything that you can share that you want to clear up about? I've been told things by people in my family that are not what the media knows, but I definitely can't really say those things. I appreciate that. I appreciate the honesty. One of the things I feel very passionate about discussing is the mental and emotional toll it can take when experiencing a private tragedy in the public eye. You talked about anxiety. Are there steps that you take to manage that and to to work through that? Yes, definitely. I go to therapy every week. I've had the same therapist since I was 15. She has been amazing and probably, I mean, definitely saved my life multiple times. I don't know what I would do without her. I talk to her about every single decision that I ever make, and she's just been there for me like like nobody else has, honestly. And then I have anxiety. I used to have panic attacks, still do occasionally. I have done a lot of therapy. I've also been on meds for that. I don't know. I I like getting help for those kinds of things. Otherwise, I would probably, I would not be okay. (laughs) Do you have moments where this is a total judgment I'm about to make? You seem so (laughs) calm and so together, like mature. In the privacy of your own home, do you ever just look around and go, what the fuck? is this life? Like, what the fuck happened to my family? I mean, it's it's messed up, you know? Yeah. And like, do you ever have those moments where you just lose it? Oh my God, yeah. I think, well, thank you for saying that I seem like I have it all together. <laughs> I definitely don't, but I, <laughs> I have learned to kind of like, I don't know, not push it down, but it's like, if I really sit here and it's quiet and I just think about my life and... I mean, this happens maybe like once every two months, you know, it's not often, but I will fully just break down. Like it's overwhelming to really think about things. I think I get in my head and I'll be like, why, 
I don't know. Sometimes things are so hard, especially when I see other people doing very normal things, like during the holidays, you know, people are with their families. People are doing very normal things. And I'm alone, like, all the time. I have my friends. That's great. I have my uncle. I have my aunts, my cousins, things like that. But it's like, I do not have a normal family. And that can be really disappointing. And then those kinds of moments, I will just spiral and think about everything that ever went wrong, and I will lose it. But for the most part, I I try not to let that happen. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. You know, I'm a big believer in sometimes you got to sit in your shit until you know you don't need to anymore, and then you find the coping skills to move through it and come out a little stronger for it. I mean, it's hard, but I think a lot of people have gone through worse. I also think something that's really grounding for me is thinking about my siblings on my mom's side. I think whenever I get really overwhelmed and feel like, why does this kind of thing happen to me? Like, I'm the only person in the world who's been through this. Like, I overwhelm myself and I just get so depressed. I will remind myself, like, they were older than me. They remembered their mom. They have all these memories they had a whole relationship with her and they lost that and they're still living and they're okay it's upsetting for me that they went through that but in a way it's like I guess somewhat comforting I don't know if that's bad to say but it's like it makes me feel okay because they went through it and they are okay without sounding condescending I'm proud of you and kudos to your therapist who I'm sure has helped you I'm a big proponent of therapy I just I mean it's the only place where you can feel safe and and totally let it all out without fear of judgment and criticism. Yeah, no it's been it's been so helpful. I definitely recommend therapy to everyone. <laughs> I'm so impressed with Rose and how in her short 22 years she's able to find a perspective that's so far beyond her age both with family and the media. Do you watch the news differently or listen to stories differently because of what happened and what you've been exposed to? Yeah. I mean, I don't really watch the news, to be honest. If something happens, I'll, like, look it up, I guess. I think I view celebrities differently. I think I view Hollywood differently. I think there's a lot of moments where I'll see things and be like, oh, that is definitely fake. That is fake. Oh, that is a publicity stunt. Like, I feel like I know these things because my family has done them. There have been times where articles will come out about my family and I'll be like, someone definitely made that happen. Like, I feel like there's just a lot of things that I have learned about Hollywood itself and about celebrities and about, you know, the press and stuff and how much is fake and how much people believe. I don't really believe anything like that. What kind of publicity stunts in terms of like when you see something specific to your family? Yeah, there will be articles that come out and there will be like a source giving information. And it'll be information that's like extremely positive about one person. And I'm like, hmm, you know, who was that source? Who was the anonymous source giving 100% positive information about one person in my family? I just feel like, I mean, some of that has to be fake. And why are they anonymous? I don't know. I just think it's, I just think there's times where it's been manipulated. Do you address that? Do you call it out? Or do you just put that in the not today file? Definitely in the not today file. I think 
If I started calling stuff like that out, it would probably be every day. You know, it would be a big project. What do you wish that the media would have done differently with your family? And I guess it's a little hard then versus now, but if you could paint a magic Mm -hmm. brush for how it would have looked differently, do you have a thought about that? Now, I think my biggest wish is that they just realize that everyone in the family is a real human and has feelings and that they should be more respectful, especially if they're doing something without permission from anyone in the family. Then during the trial and stuff, I think there was a lot of very blatantly obvious, like, I don't know if you would call it victim shaming. I don't really know. But I think everything you heard about Bonnie during the trial was about how she was a lady who did things that were not okay. Bonnie became a con artist, a pornographer, and a thief with over 56 aliases. Any man who read a swinger magazine in the 80s or 90s would have probably recognized her face or some other part of her. Bonnie. Oh my God, she sold people nudes, like that's crazy. And I don't know, it was like people said all these horrible things to like justify murder. And I think that that is a disgusting thing to do. And I think honestly, if the trial happened now, I think it would go a lot differently just because of how the world has changed since then. Yeah, I don't know. I just wish the media was more honest and respectful and less manipulated by Hollywood then. How do you think it would go differently, for better or for worse? For better, I would hope. I think that the main thing that they used against my mother when she died was that she sold men nudes or she, you know, was a woman who was very sexual or things like that. That was always used against her. I think It was almost like they'd be like, oh, she sold nudes and like men were angry at her. So that justifies her being killed. And now I think everything is more accepted, I guess. I think like things like OnlyFans and women being, I don't want to say respected, but yeah, I think they are. Like, I think if she did the things she did then now and then was killed, I don't think it would have been used against her as much. Today, you're saying it's more mainstream so that it wouldn't be so shocking. Exactly. I think people use like, oh my God, she mailed nudes against her in a murder trial. I think that's crazy. And I don't think that that would happen today. I think about how the news covered things then versus now. 20 years ago, we didn't have the news like we have today. We don't have social media the way that we have today, the internet. Do you worry that because people have such access now, there's more things that can be drummed up lied about, fabricated, discovered, uncovered? I have not really thought about that. I think it could go one way or another. I think with a big trial, like the media, yeah, I guess now it would be big on social media and stuff like that. And so I have no idea how that would affect things. It could have been a positive. It could have been a negative. That definitely would have influenced things. I don't know. Today, Rose is a full-time college student working to become an elementary school teacher. I love working with kids. It makes me very happy. It always has. And I live on my own. I have two pets. I have a cat and a lizard. <laughs> it's pretty much my life. 
Do you have a message to a public as they consume stories, mm-hmm. whether it be your family's, my family's, anybody? Like, do you have a message? I would say don't believe everything that you see online. I know a lot of people say that. I just really mean it. And I also think when listening to like true crime podcasts or watching like those shows about it, I think something to keep in mind is like, is this information accurate? Did the family approve of this show? Is there any source that's like really accurate in this? When listening, I think that's really important because I understand people love true crime and they will always watch it. But I think it would be helpful for people to really stop and take a minute and be like, at least was this approved by a family member? Was someone really asked, like, is this information accurate? It's funny, somebody recently asked me if I felt like there should be legislation about being able to use stories against the approval or the will of the family, which threw me for a loop because I've never thought about that. But do you feel like there should be like a disclaimer? That's so funny. On on shows that says the family does not approve. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually thinking about this just yesterday. So that's crazy that you just brought that up. I was talking with someone about this and... I do. I really was like sitting there thinking, why doesn't that exist? Even in just a way of like, they just have to put it out there and be like, we got all this information, but none of it was actually from the family or like the family did approve of this. You know, at least if just one family member of the victim approved of a podcast, I would respect the podcast a lot more. And I don't even just mean podcast. I mean, show, whatever it is. I do wish that something like that exists. And I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't already exist. Rose, I think you and I found a project. No, really. (laughs) I was definitely thinking about this. (laughs) There have been hundreds of things made about my family, your family that were made in the, in the back rooms, (laughs) dark halls somewhere. Um, I get sent copies and and emails of stuff saying, did you see this interview? Don't you think that this happened? I'm like, it is all BS, man. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'll get things people like, oh my God, did you watch this? And I'm like, how did that even come out? Like people will talk about it. Like everything they know is completely accurate. And it's like, if they just put a little thing of like, we didn't get approval, that'd be better than whatever they're doing. I don't know if you have access to people, but people try to convince me of theories all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And tell me what really happened, and I should really put pressure on the police department to to follow this lead. God, yeah, no, I, same thing for me. People will be like, oh, well, you just don't know what you're talking about. Or like, oh, you didn't watch this, so you don't really know all the information. Or someone I was dating once told me like, oh, well, I watched this like film about your family. It was like something on TV. And they were like, yeah, that really shifted my perspective on things. And I'm like, what? Like, why didn't you even talk to me about that? I wasn't a part of it. I didn't even know that that existed. And it shifted your opinions on things? Like, what are you talking about? Shift this, buddy. (laughs) You're out. (laughs) (laughs) I had someone on a date tell me once that if they had the opportunity to golf with who I believe was my brother's killer, that they would totally go. And I was like, wait, what? That's so Deal weird. breaker, dude. Yeah, disgusting. That's gross. Yeah. Rose Lenore is a perfect example of the long-term impact a tragedy can have on a person at any age. But more than that, she's an example of what it can look like when we're honest and understand that healing is a lifelong journey. 
I'm grateful that I know that you have been asked to do a lot of things that you trusted me and it's just such a unique perspective and I appreciate your honesty and you're willing to talk about stuff and then your decision not to I respect that immensely so I appreciate your candor really grateful that you asked me to be a part of this and I'm happy that I did it so thank you for having me you can follow Rose on Instagram at rose.lenore to continue the conversation, please follow me on social media at Kim E. Goldman. Media Circus is a cast original podcast, executive produced and hosted by me, Kim Goldman, produced by Jackie McDougall, edited by Jordan Cantor, mixed and mastered by Anton Doty, Harper Carlton as our associate producer. Subscribe to Media Circus wherever you listen to podcasts and please share with a friend.